All right. So I grew up. If you I feel want like to, you should say your name or something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My name is Josh Couch. Uh, I grew up in Couch North. Couch like you sit on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> if I introduce myself to most everybody, I say my name's Josh Couch, like you sit on. I have an identical twin brother. I grew up in a family. My parents were married all my life. Uh, they still are. But I grew up in Northeast Texas, uh, and between two towns called Paris, Texas, and Sulphur Springs, Texas, about an hour north of Dallas. So that's where I'm from. But uh, so I grew up like practically like born in church, you know. Like so, my parents and my just go to church like every single Sunday and my parents had a real strong relationship with God but I didn't really so you just kind of you know how to play the games so you know what to do and how to play church but you're not like actively saved or living for God so I got out of well anyway so uh, my parents I uh, had this big, huge cattle operation. My dad sells semen and embryos for cows, like, and bulls, like, frozen semen and, like, frozen zygotes or whatever overseas to, like, Africa, like, all the time. Anyways, just everything to do with cows. And so I grew up around that. In 2007, uh, my dad sold out of a lot of cows and had a dispersal, and I was at seven at that time, and he felt led to pastor at church so he started going he sold out of a bunch of the cows because that's like a full-time job and then he was teaching school on the side or i guess doing cows on the side or teaching on the side however you want to look at it but so basically had two full-time jobs and couldn't go to like really had the time to go to school to get ordained as a pastor so i grew up in the assemblies of god denomination and so in 2007 he sold a bunch of cows and like expensive cows like one of the bulls he sold like before he had this sell he had sold like 10 percent interest in him for ten thousand dollars and he sold 90 percent interest in him for in those 10 percent increments so essentially he sold this Crazy. bull for a hundred thousand and like That's the one took this one cow to this show won fifty thousand dollars with her loaded the cow back up in the trailer takes her home like I mean, just lots of money in cows, but uh, <laughs> so like, I never but tons of money in cows, and so he started going to school. He got ordained through the Assemblies of God, and our whole life we like asked him like, because there's a bunch of cowboy churches down there, and it's yeah. just a different way of like presenting God. But our whole life we're like, Dad, can we just go to a cowboy church? Like, that's so cool. But he's like, nah, we're going to this Assemblies of God church, yada, yada. <laughs> and so me and my brother just weren't having it. And so uh, he got ordained, and the superintendent for the whole uh, Assemblies of God district around Dallas area is the biggest district in the Assemblies of God anywhere. And the guy's now like the in charge of the Assemblies of God for the whole United States, but he was the district director at the time, and he asked him, my dad, he's like, hey, I feel like you need to start pastoring a cowboy church, and my dad's like, what? Like, my kids have been, like, asking to go to one forever, so he started this, he started, we planted this, my parents planted this church, a cowboy church, and I think it's important that I should say that I've never liked Texas. It's way too hot. I just don't like Texas. Too many people. So I love anyway. that we're recording this because like it feels like you're talking to me, but at the same time, like I get all these like commercial type de- or like details or something. So, anyways, uh, so he starts pastoring this cowboy church, and uh, then I just I go to church, and I don't really have a relationship with God. And when your dad's a pastor, you sure don't like try to serve him serve God because your dad's the pastor and you like I listen to you all week long I sure don't want to listen to you at Sunday like you know so you don't even pay attention you just go to church because there's donuts and you want to eat food so 
<laughs> and your dad's going to take out the missionaries after church so you'll get to go to the buffet. So you go to church because that's just what you do. If you want to eat, you go to church. So me and my brother just went to church. And uh, then well, I showed pigs and showed cows all through school. I never did any. I never chewed tobacco. I never smoked. Never drank. Nothing. Didn't have my first kiss till I was 18. So I graduate. Uh, Before you go too far, I think I think it's since we're recording this, I'm like, I feel like you should share the thing about the, um, the selling the cows, like flipping cows. Okay. And like how much yeah, money okay. you were making at so, that age. So starting about 14, I just really liked going to the sub barn because I'm an auctioneer. We can get to that in a later time down the road. But uh, I all ever since I was a kid, I grew up like in church and inside cow sales. So I just really like auctioneers. So I started going to the cell barn, and my brother thought it'd be a good idea one day to uh, buy this little bottle calf for like 50 bucks at the cell barn. And so we buy the bottle calf for 50 bucks, no big deal. And we asked my dad, hey, can we take the calf home? Yeah, yeah, just put it in the back of the truck or whatever and take the calf home. Well, we get the calf home, and we're like, what do we do? Because we don't really want to get up every day and feed this thing. So we put it on Facebook. For, I think a hundred a hundred and fifty dollars and like in 20 minutes we sold the thing for 150 bucks and we're like that's, that's pretty good crazy, that's man. pretty good yeah. so then we started going at the age of 14 to the cell barn and we would buy we started off just buying bottle calves and we'd spend a hundred dollars 200 and we'd buy cheap sell high I'd you'd almost always try and double your money and as fast as you can get it gone before it dies the better so like if you can make 50 bucks and sell it in two hours well make the 50 bucks and sell it in three hours and just go and get you another one and so, so we uh at the age of 16 we got like this credit at the cell barn and so we started just charging stuff to the cell barn and uh you just have to pay it later or whatever after you sell it so uh also kind of you know even if you did have to pay for it at cell barn you didn't don't normally go to a lot of cells are on saturday so you just write a check off your checking account and then you better have it sold by monday before the check clears the bank oh my so, you would do that yeah oh so God. you go to the cell barn you buy a cow for seven hundred dollars you write a check sign your name at the bottom of it have two dollars in your bank account well you just better have it sold by Sunday night so Monday morning you can put the money in the account so the check clears the bank. Did that which ever not I work? never I never got caught, thank goodness. <laughs> but I did that all the time. So then like we that's would such a faith thing, like God was like training you in faith at a young age. So I uh so just all the time we if we weren't at school we were in the cell barn and if we weren't at the cell barn we were taking pictures of these little calves and cows and everything and posting it on Facebook or posting it on Craigslist and making money. So uh, I also have a real like deep love for pigs. I showed pigs all through high school, was really was really competitive and I had this one guilt that won third overall out of thirteen hundred pigs that were shown at this one show my senior year. So I graduate high school I still never had my first kiss, never drank, never smoked, never chewed. I mean, if most people look at me, I'm a good kid, but I was pretty popular because I talked to everybody. So, anyways, <laughs> so, like, most people feel feel peer pressured or whatever to, like, oh, if I don't drink, people won't like me. Well, no, I'm, I'm a friendly person, so I was just like, man, I'm a cool guy. <laughs> Even if I don't drink, man, I'm still cool. Yeah. You're going to like me. So after high school, I started working at this chicken farm, and I didn't like that because I was definitely terrified of chickens all my life. But I was like, I'm going to face my fear. So I worked at this chicken farm with like half a million chickens. And so I did that for a little while, and then one day I was like, man, I'm sick and tired of chickens. So all I know is auctioneering and cows because right after high school, I went to auctioneer school and did some auctions here and there. And uh, so I know about cows, pigs, and auctioneering. So I went home that day. I remember looking up on my phone, uh, family-owned pig, pig jobs or something, family-owned pig farm jobs or something like that. And the first one that pulled up was this company out of Kansas called Husky Hogs. 
And so I was like, well, I'm a husky guy and I like pigs, so this is a job for me. So I printed out the application, filled it out. By two days, he had called the person I was working for at the chicken farm and he had called my other references and he's like, man, I'll pay your way to come up here for a job interview like 11 hours away in Kansas and we'll hire you. So I went, I went to the job interview, I got a job. So I moved to Kansas, and at that point, like I feel like I've not experienced life at all because I've I've always lived with my parents, and like all these other people are doing all these crazy stuff, and I've just not experienced life. So I moved to Kansas, started working there. Well, I worked twelve days on, two days off, so that's a lot of work. That's crazy. And man. I worked ten to eleven hours a day. If not more, sometimes sometimes I'd work 12 hours a day. And it was like the family store. Like, the guy owned the grocery store around there. He owned the gas station. Like, you worked for this guy. You got part of your money as cash. You got part of your money as a gift card for gas. You got part of your money as a gift card to go to the grocery <laughs> store. So he, like, owns the, he has a monopoly of this whole place in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, he's so, half of the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he also owns the bank. So this guy has like a monopoly. It's like working for the family store. And so you're always working for him and you can never get ahead and you can't leave because you don't have enough cash because you always get it in all these gift cards to the grocery store and the gas station and really bad deal. So so then so then I'm just real depressed because I'm just totally overworked and everything. And I was I still going to church but didn't have a relationship with God. So then I well I think it's uh, pretty important to say since I was about 13 years old me and my brother got in pornography and were addicted to pornography maybe at about the time of 13 or 14 and if my brother hears this he'll kill me for telling but <laughs> sorry so okay. we were uh, addicted to pornography at the age of like 13 14 and that was pretty much the, other than that and like masturbation maybe the only addictions I had in my life because I never drank, nothing like that. But, uh, so, I dealt with that quite a bit in my life, and my dad would, like, try and put, like, different, like, apps to monitor our phones, and, like, we can't have that, you know? He's a pastor, so he can't be seeing what we're doing on our phones. So he downloaded this one thing I remember called the Phone Sheriff, and it's, like, this nationwide company to, like, prevent, like, people from watching pornography and stuff. Anyways, uh, I remember going to the settings under phone administrators under the uh, settings and deselecting uh, phone sheriff as the administrator on the phone. Yeah. So I deselected. it. So then my dad called the company. He's like, man, this kid doesn't delete the app off of his phone, but the phone sheriff doesn't work. We can't see what he's doing. And the company's like, sorry, sir, we're a nationwide company, and we never had this problem before. So I, I got away with watching stuff that I shouldn't. So all through, all the way up until I moved to Kansas, and so then at that time, like, pornography wasn't enough for me because I had, like, depression and stuff, too. Yeah. So I started getting on, like, dating apps like Tinder and I, you name it. Every one of them. Farmers Only, Tinder, Match.com, anyone you can think of. Anyway, yeah. so I'm on all these uh, things, and there's not really, really many people at all in Kansas. So, like... <laughs> Barely, especially <laughs> not younger people. So it will say, like, on these dating apps, it'll say, sorry, no one new found in your area. And you like, seen two people on this dating app. You're like, man, screw you. I just spent money for this dating app or whatever. I spent time to download it on my phone, and there's, like, three people in my area. That makes me mad. But there was, so you just, you match with those three people, and that's about it because they don't get very many matches neither. Yeah. So... I started, like, sleeping around with, uh, so, like, only, uh, other than you, I think, like, maybe two other people know this whole story. Yeah. Like, my parents don't know what's on here, yeah. and I don't think my brother, my brother knows that we were addicted to pornography, but he doesn't know this. So, I was, like, sleeping with, like, different women all the time, like, never in a committed relationship, just sleeping around, yeah. like, one woman on a Friday and a Sunday, you have a different, you go to church and then you sleep with some chick in the afternoon. And then on Monday, you're like sleeping with someone else. And he just, uh, yeah. 
just a roller coaster ride. So, anyway, so I finally was able to escape my situation in Kansas. Uh, but before I did that, right before we had these, well, the whole time I was working in Kansas, we had these uh, guys that were working with us from this local prison. They were like the low, the low uh, viability or whatever people from the prison. They're not fixing escape or whatever. Yeah. And this one guy was my maintenance guy, and his name was Dirt, or they called him Dirt because they all have nicknames <laughs> at college. So it's, or in prison, in prison. <laughs> so yeah, so his name was Dirt, and he was my maintenance guy, and he. Uh, we had radios because the pig farm's huge, so we have radios to like talk to each other. And he yells over the radio, "Help! Help!" And the way pig farms are set up, you have like numbers in each pen, so you can each barn has a number, and then each pen has a number. So he's like, "I'm in barn number three, like pen A seventy five or whatever," and I know exactly where he's at because of the way the pig farm's set up. So I go over there, and he's laying face down in this pen full of forty pigs. So I. Uh, helped get him up and he's like not breathing at all so I tried to give him CPR but I'm not good at that neither so uh, he's just like escaping and so he, he screams to the top of his lungs I'm burning I'm burning just, just screams that yeah. and so like maybe he's having a heart attack I don't know but I didn't even think that way like I thought man this guy's like going into hell like right now like so I, I don't even remember what I said because God just gave me the words to say but I uh just start like trying to save this guy because he's my friend you know he works for me and so uh anyways he died like on the ambulance right right there they they like electrocuted him like seven times or something but he passed away so i dealt with that for a long time because i wasn't setting a good influence being a so-called christian to this guy and i could have like tried to save him before then but i was too busy like satisfying my own desires by sleeping with this person and sleeping with that person doing this doing that so i really struggled with that for a long time because this guy like died on my hands and i could have like done something about it you know but uh so it wasn't like two days later i was gonna quit and move to north dakota because i'd already got this job in north dakota and uh working at a different hog farm and i was just tired of the junk like working for the company store so I'm done. I'm out of this place. There's not very many people my age. I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, uh, the uh, I was going home that day after I was telling them, you know, I'm going to quit. And uh, my car dies on the side of the road. And uh, so I'm about three miles from these people's house that I know real well that worked with me. They were actually my age. It's this guy and it's like a fiance. Yeah. And uh, they both worked for us. And so I walk three miles to these people's house because I have nobody. Like, my family doesn't live around there or nothing. And my phone was dead, and you can't charge it if your car dies. So I walk three miles to these people, maybe longer than that, to these people's house. And they were real good friends of mine. So, like, I was like, can you take me home? Like, my car, or can you go jump off my car or something? And they're like, no, I think you should really stay here. And that was really weird because... They weren't Christians, but they were my friends. And, like, even though they were my friends, they would, any other time, they would have taken me home or helped me jump off my car or something. But for whatever reason, they're like, man, you just need to stay here for the night. We got a couch. Let's sleep on the couch. Well, and then in the morning, we'll take you and get your car or whatever and go, uh, we'll take you home. So at this time, I had a bunch of my stuff packed because I was already going to move to North Dakota. And I told them I was going to quit. Well, I get home. The next morning, and my car was been towed because it was on the side of the road. And uh, <laughs> I get home, and my whole I have a dog, and she's like my best friend. But my whole house has been just totally ransacked, like papers everywhere. They knocked down the, they kicked through the door, whoever. And oh, so my man. dog was gone. And so it was really I'm I still don't know to this day who did it, but I'm certain that. It was this hog farm that I was working for because, like, they shunned upon anyone, like, leaving because, like, they thought they owned you. Like, you worked for the company store. Yeah, like, dude, that's so, so weird. And they own, like, he owned, like, the whole town. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. So, so, weird. so, anyways, uh, someone had broke into my house, I guess, the night before. And my dog got loose, and I was finally able to find my dog. Uh, but they didn't take anything. I had guns everywhere. I had 
money sitting on the table. They didn't take a thing. I had a TV, nothing. They took nothing. But these papers are flowing everywhere and, like, knocked holes in the wall and crazy stuff. So I don't really think it was someone that came to rob me or that otherwise they would have took guns or the TV or something. (laughs) So I think it was really the people I was working for. And after about two hours after I got there that morning, I didn't call the police because I was scared because – the police force was like had their back too and this cop car <laughs> this whole town is just yeah like it's called dirty. norton it's called norton kansas never moved to <laughs> norton kansas and worked for husky hogs anyway oh so this cop car comes and parks like right in front of my yard and sits there like all night all day all night doesn't leave like he he leaves for like 10 minutes and he'll a replacement will come and just sit at my house <laughs> And so just really crazy. So at that point, my dad, like, he's, like, coming to rescue me, right? So dads are always good for coming to rescue. So he comes, and we load up my car that it – we had to go, go pel- bail my car out of the impound yard. And then we had to load up all my crap and move to North Dakota. And I'd already had a house down in North Dakota. So uh, I moved to North Dakota. Everything is good. I don't know very many people, so I just – still go to pornography and stuff like that but i'm not sleeping with anybody and uh so i'm managing this different hog farm in north dakota a lot better company i'm working for not the same deal at all just i was still working for pigs with pigs so one day i'm in the hog farm and uh the, the guy that died earlier was my maintenance guy. That's real important in this conversation. But yeah. uh, I'm trying to fix, like, this feed motor because the way pig farms, you don't want to feed every single pig when you got 5,000 pigs by hand. So you got these, like, motors that have an auger and a pipe, and it, like, brings feed inside and, like, drops down off of a motor. That way you don't have to do it manually by hand. So I'm trying to get this dang motor to work. And you know how you're, like, mad at God sometimes and you're, like, God, I don't care what you do, just make this dang thing work. And so <laughs> you're not really praying, but you're, like, pissed off, and you're like, God, just fix the dang thing. So that that's pretty much what I say, like, God just fixes dang motor. And the uh, I was the manager of that farm, and I had, like, I don't, ten people working for me. Maybe five of those people were Hispanics. And uh, I turn around just right after saying that God helped this dang motor start, like, probably cussing it and just upset and there's this guy sitting in these coveralls that we wear at the hog farm just sitting on the fence and i've never seen this guy before in my life and like i know everybody that works there because i've hired them or they were there before me so like i know everybody that works there like so i say who are you to this guy that's sitting on this on the fence behind me and uh he asked he asked me not as a statement but he asked me you don't remember me? So that could be taken as a statement, depending on the way someone said it. Like, you don't remember me, like, saying that as a fact. But this guy was saying it as a question. Like, you don't remember me? Like, what the heck? And so I know without a question or my doubt or doubt in my brain that it was this guy's voice that had died on me in Kansas. I know because we talk to people on the walkie-talkies all the time. So you don't say, like, this is Jordan or this is Josh. Yeah. Because you're like, you you remember people's voices, so you know exactly who you're talking to. So I know without a question in my doubt, or a doubt in my brain, that this was this guy that had died. But the guy in Kansas had had tattoos all up and down his body, and just spent his life just living on drugs and just doing everything that he shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And uh, so he was maybe in his 50s, but looked like he was 70, because he just had a real hard life. And uh, this guy was... This guy that's sitting on the fence right there is in his 30s maybe, looked to be like in his young 30s. You can't see through him. He's just like you're sitting right there in front of me, yeah. just just like that. He's talking to me. I had no I, – I didn't go and touch him, but I'm certain if I would have, I would have, you know, just felt skin just like we are. Yeah. And uh, so really crazy because, like, these barns are real secure too because of biosecurity. You don't want diseases getting in your barn. So we would have at least had to have the code to get through the front door. Yeah. to get in this farm yeah. so who shared the code with him you know but anyways yeah. uh so he so he tells me i don't even ask him like how to fix this motor i ask him who are you and he says you don't remember me 
and then he says take your red wire and your like brown wire you know like the let the wires in the motor and wire your ground wire to your positive wire and your brown wires the negative wires something along those lines and the only person like i've i know a lot about these motors because i've worked on pig farms for a lot lots of time yeah. and the guy that died on me was my maintenance man so he would have known how to fix this motor and so I wire them wires the way he tells me to, and then he disappears. He just disappears in a thin air. Like, you're, you're sitting there, and then he's just gone. And so I, I don't really know, but I, I know that that guy had the same voice, and I think that it was God, like, trying to tell me, like, hey, this guy got saved through you trying to, like, witness to him because if someone goes to hell, they're not coming back. Like, even in the Bible it says... uh I can't remember the guy's name, begged God to, like, go back and tell his brother, like, he's living on earth. You, you, do you know the story I'm yeah, talking about in the Bible? Yeah, and yeah. God says no, like, he doesn't allow that. So I don't think that a person like that can come from hell. And But there's demons that can come and torment you, but I don't think people like that can come from hell. So yeah. i most certain that he's this guy is with Jesus now and God sent him to try and help me and to like show me that hey this guy's so I wouldn't struggle with this because I was struggling with this with a lot like this guy's blood's on my hands you know and so after that I really started like I totally gave up pornography I started like uh like searching God like trying to have a relationship with God did anybody believe you did you tell anybody yeah yeah so I I told I told most people, and most people, most people do believe me because I'm pretty, yeah. I'm I'm pretty honest and I'm transparent. So most people believe me, but you know there's a few that wouldn't believe me. But uh, anyway, so I started like seeking out God and having a relationship with God. Maybe after about eight months of being there in North Dakota. That job started to go sour because I was working a lot more because uh, we had gotten a new manager, and it was just it wasn't going the way it should be. So I started going back to not pornography, but like dating apps and trying to find someone. Yeah. And so I met this girl, and she lives outside Lowry, Minnesota. And I went on some dates with her. Anyways. Uh, it, things got pretty serious, so I ended up moving here to Minnesota, and that's when I got my job. But uh, since then, I've like grown quite a bit in my faith and through God. Uh, but yeah, so I came over here and got a job here, and was going to church with this girl. And if you can, since we're recording, try and leave out the name of the church and okay. leave out her name if you can. Okay. I just thought of that right. now. But yeah, okay. as much detail as you want. As you okay. Feel right, go for it. Man. Okay, so I was going to church with yeah. this girl, and things were getting pretty serious. And so uh, I had been over to her house for Christmas, and like her family's really nice to me. I love her family. Her family loved me. Anyways, uh, she told me that she needed a break. So I'm like, okay. All right, that's that's cool, I guess. Like we've only been dating like a while, like this is weird, but I guess you need a break. Fine, whatever. So I let her have a break for about four days, and then I see her at church, and it's totally awkward. Awkward as awkward can be. <laughs> and <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> so, anyways, you, you, her dad goes to had went to church with us there at that church, and uh. So you just kind of rely on her dad to like, because you're kind of cool with him. You might not be cool with this chick, but you're cool with her dad. So you like, just talk to the dad and try and work your way out of the deal. So I asked her like, her favorite restaurant was Dairy Queen. So I'm like, hey, you want to go get some Dairy Queen after, after church? And she's like, no, I think I'm okay. So okay. So I go home. And then I'm like, well, she needed a break, but I already screwed up the day anyways because I seen her at church. So why not screw up the rest of the day, right? <laughs> so she needed a break. I give you a break, but the day is like we're just calling it the day and off day. Yeah. And so I 
in FFA, I went to like uh, these different competitions and stuff, and I was in a bunch of floral design competitions. And so I make these beautiful flower arrangements. Oh my god! All the time. <laughs> so uh, I think I probably took like four sets of flowers. Anyway, so I had just I, I'm a gift giver, I guess. And so I I was like, well, I'm gonna go home and like make her this pretty flower arrangement. Go knock on her door, knock knock knock, and be like, can I talk to you? And like try and figure the situation out because we're in a committed relationship. We should at least talk about boundaries of this, like, break or whatever, whatever. We need to, like, talk. So I make her this flower arrangement, and I go over to her house, and I knock on the door, and I give her these flowers and ask her, can we talk? And she says, well, yeah, I guess, come to my room. And, like, haphazardly tosses this, like, hour and a half like work that I've done on this flower arrangement like on the table like man what a way to piss me off anyways just like tosses it on the table like this glass vase and so I go back to her room and uh she tells me him hauls around about the deal and she's like well in 15 minutes this guy's coming to pick me up and we're like gonna go on a ride or whatever and I'm like, well, that's not what you should be doing in a committed relationship. Like, I understand if you have friends of the opposite sex when you get in a relationship, that's okay. Don't get rid of your friends because of someone you're in a relationship with. But that's kind of the time you're like, hey, this is my buddy, this is my buddy, this is my buddy. Like, you start kind of listing them off when you get in a relationship. So, you know, like, these are my friends of the opposite sex. Like, they're okay. They're like my brother or whatever. But she never talked to this guy the whole relationship. So this ain't just your buddy you're going to go ride around with, you know? So anyway, so uh, yeah, so I was pretty upset about it. But I can't make her not go with the guy. You can only do so much as a person. So anyway, so she leaves me there with her parents because she lives at her parents' house. Just leaves me at her parents. <laughs> she's like, awkward. she's like, well, you can just sit down on the couch and watch football with my parents, but uh, I'm going with this guy that's sitting in the yard to go, uh, to go with him. And like her birthday was about two weeks before that, and I bought her these really pretty, like real black diamond earrings. Yeah. And so she puts in these little black diamond earrings. I got her these, like twisted X, like brand new shoes. I bought her, and like everything I got her to go ride around with this fella. I'm like, well. Yeah, yeah, screw you too. Uh, so, anyways, so uh, yeah, so that's kind of that was pretty much the end of that. And uh, now I'm just kind of um, in a process of like waiting like, on God. Was there a time too where like you walked in on her and, and I I, I wasn't gonna you know, put that on. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, that's okay, that's okay, yeah. All right, so I, I'm just kind of in a process of like waiting on God for my. Uh, so I've always searched for like relationships through like dating apps and stuff. Yeah. And I read this book. If you've never read this book called The Weight by Megan Good and Devon Franklin. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't. I haven't heard. The Weight. No. I was talking to a gentleman at church last night about it. But uh, yeah, it's a really good book. If you're in like the process of like waiting on your spouse from God and also struggle with premarital sex, the book is really good. But, yeah, that's, I guess, 33 minutes long. But that's pretty much my life story in a nutshell in 33 minutes. Dude, that's crazy. I'm so glad so we you recorded can. it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how to turn it off. No, you're good. I feel like since we're, I like got questions and stuff. Oh, so okay. Like, I'm going to, like, like I've never done this with anybody. <laughs> like we're still going. So, okay. so basically, Josh, um, I'm going to get a little bit closer here. So. I just shared my life story with Josh. This is our first time hanging out outside of church. We met each other a couple of weeks ago, and he was about to share his with me, and I was like, dude, can we record it? Because, like, he's pretty comfortable and, and confident with, like, talking with people and stuff, and he said, yeah. So, like, this is my first time hearing um, a lot of this stuff. So it's just like, um, so I don't know, man. I think that, I think that's so powerful, and, like, the the thing with that guy in the, in the um the, the hog farm like that's totally similar to, to what I had with the, with yeah. the thing with the angels and stuff and it's like you tell a lot of people and they and they don't believe you but it's I mean 
right away I'm like, this is so real, man. Like that's it's wild how God reaches out to us. Um, so so did I tell you about what happened? Okay, so I was going to this church with this gal, and since she had this other guy, you know, whatever. So she breaks breaks up with me, and I guess she's seeing this other guy. So she starts taking this guy to church. Well, that's really awkward, and I'm like, don't want her to fall out of church too. So I'm like, I'll just go to a different church. And I felt like I wasn't really getting fed spiritually at that church like I should have been. Yeah. So like some churches depending on your maturity in christ some churches are better for you because they're like more teaching and then other pre, uh pastors and churches are better for you because it's a deeper like uh relationship with god and they seek god more as opposed to teaching you so i didn't feel like that church that church i believe everything that that pastor says and it's a real good church but they don't seek god as much as maybe some other churches so i was like well i'll just go to a different church so I went one Sunday to that Spirit Life Church, and then the following Monday or the next day, there was like that young adults thing. Right? Oh, that's gonna be mad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so them them YWAM people were there, and yeah. I'd never heard of YWAM before in my life. And I guess you had been through YWAM. Yeah. Okay. So did did you hear anything about what was going on with me in front of you? No. Uh -uh. Okay. So the girl that was preaching's name was Demi. Yeah. And there was some guy there named Q. Yeah. All right, so uh, she was like, if you, like, want to seek God more, like, raise your hand or whatever. Her message, I can't remember what her message was on, but... Uh, you and I were, like, the only two at first. Okay. <laughs> we're, like, the most, well, like, all right. fearless people in yeah. the room. We're like, yeah, we want it, man. Yeah, so <laughs> I raised my hand, and she comes over to me, and she starts praying for me in tongues. Yeah. And so I guess she's baptized in the Holy Spirit, but she starts, she's like, can I pray with you? Because, like, that's what I lifted my hand for. I'm yeah. like, sure. So she starts praying for me in tongues. And then she starts listing off these things about me that no one knows. And <laughs> she says, she, I, I think I told this to uh, Cassandra. Is that her name? Do they call yeah. her? Is, does she have, like, a nickname? Cassie, is that, Cassandra, okay. yeah. Okay. I told this story to her, but I didn't think I told you. So uh, I told you I had a twin brother, right? Yeah. Identical twin brother. I'm two minutes older. Yeah. She, uh. After she gets done praying for me, she says, I just want you to know that God has a calling for your life. And that was kind of crazy, but that's what she said. Well, God's called everybody, but she's like, you have such a deeper calling than most a lot of people are gifted with. And God just wants you to know that. She says, I see that you have a younger brother that looks just like you. That was her identical oh, words. Oh, 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 that, that, oh. that was her that was that, that was her words. And then uh she tells me, So when twenty 19 my brother got married october of 2019 i think that's right yeah yeah yep october of 2019 he got married to this lady uh r real sweet lady and uh she has long blonde hair and this lady has never met me before names demi i guess i didn't even know that at the time yeah. uh anyway she's like i see that he's holding the hand of this lady with long blonde hair and it's like so she's like prophesying like it's well she's she prophesies over me too but she that's word of, words of knowledge yeah. like no one would have known yeah. like like no one in that church knows me yeah. like maybe two <laughs> people know my time. name yeah. two people know my name because the cassandra i talked to her that morning but she yeah. knows nothing about me yeah. and uh so yeah so that's pretty crazy that's god like uh, is showing her that and uh then she says you've been gifted in prophecy and uh, she says, uh, you have such a strong, like, God's love flows through you. And the whole time I was up there preaching, I could just feel God's love, like, just flowing through you. That's yeah. what she said. Uh, she says, but God has a calling for your life. And uh, when you step into that calling, your brother looks up to you, especially spiritually. And when you step into God's calling for you, uh, it will grow your brother's faith exponentially. She says, "I want you to know that younger people and or younger males in general look up to you." Yeah. Uh, and uh, she says, "What else does she say?" Uh, she says, "I see you standing in front of hundreds of people, and you're like talking. You're uh, and so uh, then the Q guy said, well." Uh, let me pray for you. So he starts praying for me in <laughs> tongues, and he gets done, and he's like, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel a lot of the same stuff. He said, uh, 
God definitely has a calling uh, for you. He was showing me my calling whenever I was praying for you. So I think he's trying to show you, trying to tell me that he has a great calling for your life. Yeah. And uh, I think, th oh, then, then uh, they, so they kind of talk about the same stuff. And just like the the heat, like the body temperature, my body's like yeah. over like, you just feel like you're fixing to boil over, you know, just the yeah. Holy Spirit flowing through you. And then uh, she tells me, I really feel like you have a strong, like, uh, problem in relationships. And this is, like, 14 days, maybe, yeah. after this girl, like, broke up with me. And so, yeah, I have a problem with relationships, <laughs> especially now. And she's like, God wants you to know that he has a beautiful bride for you. And th this is her almost identical words. Uh, has a beautiful bride for you that's been through a lot of the same things you, uh, you've been through. Whenever you step into God's calling you, for your life, you'll find her, and God will use you all together to minister uh, in a marvelous way, I think was her words. Man. So that's kind of reassuring, like, because sometimes you're like, man, no one, no chick likes me, you know, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Or you just, like, not really codependent, but you just like having someone in your life like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of reassuring. So I was like, man, that's just super crazy. And that morning I broke my phone. If I wouldn't have broke my phone, I probably would have been a home at fa on Facebook instead of at that meeting yeah. or whatever. Did you break your phone on purpose? No. Oh, <laughs> just okay. earlier in the morning I broke okay. my phone. If I wouldn't have broke my yeah. phone... I probably would have been doing something else on my phone, like on Facebook or something, and not went to the thing. Yeah. So I drive 45 minutes to my work because I have keys to my work to, like, call my dad, tell him, like, what this lady, like, she knows about my brother. She knows about his <laughs> wife. You know, this is what oh she says. Uh, well, it's, she doesn't know. This God showed her. Yeah. And so then, like, all week goes by. That was on a Monday. Friday, I get on an airplane to go to Texas. Because my dad pastors at Cowboy Church and he's putting on a livestock show and I've had lots of knowledge about pigs from what I've discussed. So I'm going down there to judge the pigs. And I'm just super outgoing, like talk to everybody. So I'm not fixing to fly on this airplane for four hours and not talk to anybody. So this black guy and his white, there's this white woman sitting by him, sitting across from me on the airplane. And uh, the seat next to me is open because that girl was supposed to go to Texas with me. But that's just beside the point anyways so uh i start talking i say hey ha hey how are you doing today or something along those lines because that's normally what i say and uh he goes before he even says hi back to me he says this might sound crazy but god wants you to know that he has a uh, like a miraculous calling on your life and i'm like what that's insane like monday monday these people at this ywam through this ywam thing like talk to me yeah. Anyways, uh, it's almost the same thing. And his wife, his wife then says, "You know, we were sitting here first, and uh, I, when you were walking down the aisle, I could just feel God's just presence of love flowing through you." Yeah. Well, that's the same thing that that Demi girl said on Monday. Yeah. So I'm like, man, this is really crazy by now. <laughs> so I started talking to these people, and like uh, about ten years ago, they were both through YWAM, and I'd never heard of YWAM till that week. <laughs> about ten. About 10 years ago, they were in YWAM and missionaries to Nigeria or somewhere like that in Africa. And that's where he's from, is Nigeria. And so that's how they met. They were both in YWAM. Uh, so I just started talking to them quite a bit on the airplane ride. And they just started, like, praying for me and telling me things that were almost identical to not the words of knowledge about my brother, but most of the other stuff was almost identical to what those two had told me that's on crazy, Monday. Man. So I'm slowly traveling through my life looking for someone else in ywam that tells me the same thing and then i guess i'm called the ywam i don't know but anyways <laughs> it's really crazy that god beats me over the head with it like in one yeah. whole week yeah like these two people or these four people two in one spot and two in another have no early idea who each other are no clue yeah and don't know me but they both tell me i have like a calling for my life and that they can feel god's love throwing flowing through me and they're both in have been in YWAM. And then I meet you and you're in YWAM. So, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but, Dude, or, or, or I guess you had been in YWAM. So, yeah. I kind of left that out, I guess. But, yeah, that's, yeah. that's free stuff on the end. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know what we were discussing before. I kind of cut you off, I think. No, but. that's, this is all good, man. So, like, 
we got about 15 minutes left we can go on this before it'll shut down i think uh i think we're still going good yeah we are is what else do you feel like you should share we basically get dude this is crazy so he josh told me before um we started he's like man my story is not nearly as crazy as yours but i think um it is uh, and like no matter who we are right like god's speaking to us and revealing himself to us and it's it seems normal to us but it's so not at all um yeah dude if there's if there's anything else you feel like you should throw on this i mean you got 15 minutes okay well go. i can i can talk for hours on end but i think it's just important that to see that we're all valued especially through christ no matter what you've been through in your entire life like you're so valuable and like if it was only just you god still would have came and died on the cross for just you so yeah i think a lot of people get caught up with thinking they're not good enough or even in a relationship with christ but even people that aren't saved like they're just not good enough but God has such a deep value and love for you, and God wants to have a relationship with us ten times, hundreds times more than we could ever want to have a relationship with Him. Yeah. Like, like even like the most fired up people for God, God still wants to have a relationship so much more with us as we do with Him. Yeah. We can't compare to His love and want to have us in His life, so that. I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like sharing that, but I think that's really good, dude. Cool. Can I like? Are you down to pray? I'd love to pray okay. for you, quick. All right. Um, we could like, and if you feel like praying, you could pray just for whatever. You could pray for the people listening to this that God would just light up in them what what He's showing you or or whatever. Are you down to pray some too? Okay. Cool. Yep. I'll I'll go first and okay. And, um, actually, you go first and, and I'll All right. end it. Yeah, man. Okay. So, so dear Lord, just thank you for what you've done in my life, and uh, thank you for the people that are listening and for Jordan sitting here in front of me. Uh, you're just overwhelming uh, just love that you pour over us uh, like a glass pitcher that you're just pouring water or oil on top of us, and we just ask that you just uh, flow through us so where we're to the point where we're boiling over and we're just... Uh, a cup that just keep runneth over uh, for you dear Lord for anybody out there that uh, isn't saved or doesn't have a relationship with you I just ask that you uh, come to where they're at right now and you just fill them with your love and your glory and uh, your just overwhelming peace and yeah. uh, control in their life that you would just uh, start gradually making progress in their life and grow them to a point where they're on fire for you and we're just reaching the city and reaching the state and reaching the country and reaching the world uh thank you for everything that you've done in my life for guiding me and directing me to the point where i'm at right now uh there's i got so much further uh to go but to just think about what i've been through and what you've uh protected me in man i've done so many stupid things and so many mistakes but you've always been there guiding me and loving me and protecting me uh so just thank you for that and i just ask that you for anybody out there that might have been like me and just didn't think they were valued enough uh to have a relationship with you uh that you just show them their value yeah. and that you just love them so much more than they could ever uh, love you i ask that you just uh show me your calling on my life that I just explained from all these people that just a couple weeks ago that I met I don't know what your calling is for me uh, but I just ask that you make that crystal clear and that you guide me in relationships with people whether it be uh, with like a girlfriend or wife of a future spouse one day or just friends or people I work with that you just guide me through relationships and that you might show your uh, love and your protection uh, for me and for them through those relationships and uh, thank you for all this amen yeah thank you God thank you for what you're doing God we thank you that you're so alive Jesus I think about um, like 
part of Josh's testimony being similar to part of part of my testimony, God, of of um, just like that, like the the dude that he saw that was like um, whether it was an angel or this guy or whatever, God, whatever that was, it was like it was like a real person there, God, and and in my part of my testimony is that same thing of having this tangible thing, whether it was you, Jesus, or an angel or whatever, grab my hands. And we just thank you that you're that alive, Jesus, that you're so risen, that you so love us, and um, that you love us through imperfect people, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. I think about that song, and it's like, you never wanted perfect, you just wanted my heart. And that's so real, God. That's so real, God. I pray that we just have that mentality every day, Jesus, of like, you never wanted perfect. You just wanted my heart, and you go every, you go through everything to get it, Jesus. So I thank you for what you're doing in Josh's life and in my life and in the lives of everybody listening to this, God. I pray that they get to experience your presence, God, and the fullness of it. I pray that they'd come to know you in whatever way that you have for them, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you. You love us, God. If there's anything that stands in between us and you, God, I pray that you would just smash that. I pray that over Josh and I. I pray that over our churches. I pray that over the church in the Pines and Spirit Life Church, and we pray that over the church in this city and in this state and in this nation, God, that any hindrances, anything in the way, God, would just be broken down, and we'd get to know you, God. We get to know you more and more every day, God, and enjoy the unity of your presence, God. Enjoy being with you, God, and not for any other reason, God, not for any other reason than just we see that you love us, God, and we just we just want to we want to love you back. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you. You're real, Jesus. You're tangible. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool, man. You're right at 52 minutes. When did it cut off? It's at 60. What okay. else? You got no, anything that's, else? That's, that's, okay. I'm all good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man.